Attorney Harriet Pearson, once dubbed the First Lady of Privacy, was the longtime Chief Privacy Officer at IBM, a post she left in 2012 to join the law firm Hogan Lovells as a partner. Hello, I'm Eric Chavro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking again with Harriet Pearson as part of ISMG's career series featuring thought leaders and practitioners in IT security, privacy, and risk management. Welcome, Harriet. Thank you, Eric. Hi. You received a bachelor's degree in civil engineering from Princeton University. How does one go from wanting to be a civil engineer to becoming one of the foremost experts in online privacy? <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny first question. Um, I, I think you know, those of us who have been practicing data privacy and security law for a long time come from a lot of different fields. I've always found that an engineering background has been very helpful to my law practice and the work that I've done uh, in, in the technology industry in the past and now working with a lot of different kinds of clients. And it's, um, it's a good background to have. You know, you kind of understand how technology comes together with practical reality. Did you ever practice as an engineer? Um, briefly, before I went to law school, I actually uh, worked for um, a very large energy company and uh, drilled for oil for a little bit before, uh, before going to law school. Uh, you said there are maybe other backgrounds that people come to privacy, uh, a career in privacy. Uh, what are some of the other uh, people you've run into and what have they done? Many of the people in the data privacy world are lawyers. They come from lots of different fields of law. Other areas are compliance. There are some folks that come at it from marketing. And in the security area, most of the folks that I've worked with, the people who are both clients as well as peers, are coming to security if they have operational responsibilities from an IT background. But increasingly, what I'm seeing is as security gets to be more of a holistic risk management exercise, you're seeing the emergence of, of lawyers, frankly, lawyers inside companies who have a little bit of a specialized portfolio and look at these issues as risk issues and partner with their more technology-focused um, and uh, technology-experienced peers. Well, let's talk about your evolution of a job. You went to law school. It was UCLA, correct? That's right. You got your law degree, and how did you find your way onto privacy from there? I did what, what most uh, most graduates from, from law school do, which is I tried my hand at working at a law firm briefly, and uh, that's where I started working on energy and environmental issues and did transactional work uh, and regulatory work. And at some point after about three years, I decided that it was time to try something different. And I looked around and found a role uh, that actually played to my background at that point and uh, was hired by IBM in 1993 and walked in the door at the, of the company as the company was um, you know, starting its transformation from you know, the, the IBM of, of a long time ago, everyone wearing white shirts and blue suits to the IBM of today, which is a, a very transformed company. And I walked in the door and actually joined that uh, company as a public policy expert and started to work on a range of policy issues. At that point, if you remember back in the mid-90s, the internet, the web was coming into its own as a commercial medium, as a, as a place where, you know, as a, as a tool organizations could use to to transact business. It was used, it used to be called e-commerce. Back in the 90s, it was just starting to emerge. And one of the issues I was asked to figure out for, for the company was privacy. That's how I got my start. Is to, I was asked to develop a strategy for what a leadership company's approach should be on privacy. And the rest, as they say, is kind of history. Did your research turn into the, your job as chief privacy officer? 
yeah, actually, in, a, in about three years, um, I had uh, worked on data privacy, starting with understanding, you know, that the company's concerns and issues, the company's proud history. IBM was really the first company um, in the early 1970s to actually develop and, and adopt a global privacy policy. And I, you know, brought everything together and started updating the company's approach by adopting an internet privacy policy by taking uh, leadership roles in various um, business groups that were forming uh, self-governing guidelines. And one thing led to another. And in the year 2000, IBM CEO and chairman appointed me chief privacy officer. And I'm still told that that was the first such uh, appointment made in the Fortune 1000. That's actually, you know, one of my most gratifying moments uh, personally. Is it was it was really wonderful to have that recognition and to be part of a company that was so leader oriented to be the first in in a kind of a significant business community to have that role. You gained this role being a first among large businesses. What did you find the challenges, and do some of those same challenges present themselves to current CPOs? You know, I think the first uh, thing current CPOs and, you know, CPOs probably um, forever will have to deal with, chief privacy officers, will be how does what they do matter to the organization, to the business? And the first place to start is figuring out how does my organization use data and use data about people. And if I understand really well where the data is, what it's being used for, then I could figure out as a privacy leader how do I contribute to my organization and to privacy? You know, what laws apply to the information? What laws are likely to apply? I need to look around corners because this is a very dynamic area. Every day you read about an issue or a new law, and you really need to be able to look around corners to add value to organization. Am I protecting the data? If I, if I know where it is, do I have the right protections in place? And what's my risk profile? Am I target of cyber crime? Am I likely target of attacks? Am I protecting it appropriately? All those questions, I think, are on the minds of, of anyone who has a privacy leadership role these days. And certainly they were on my mind, you know, back when I first took the role back in the year 2000. I noticed that one thing you've done a lot has been writing. You, know, you wrote in your current job in the past few years, you wrote about 12 papers, you know, I guess posted on your website perhaps geared toward your clients. I also noticed that uh, you did almost as many uh, papers published in different kinds of publications, non-academic publications. Can you discuss the importance of writing as, as, a, as a privacy officer? There's a big difference between being, you know, in-house, and whether you're practicing law in-house or, you know, you're a privacy leader and you may or may not be a lawyer. When you're inside an organization responsible for a program, then you're the kind of writing you need is the kind of writing that communicates well to your management and to your peers and to everybody else. So it's effective business writing, simple, tight, communicative. I mean, all, that I can't stress enough is really what every one of us needs to be able to, to, to have and to use. Well, why is that important? Just get things done. I mean, how is anybody supposed to uh, make their way through pages and pages of a, of a privacy policy without really understanding first and foremost, what is this? Why do I need to do it? Why is it good for the organization? What, what are the next steps? So that kind of more most effective business, right? The effective business communications is key. On top of it, then, uh, in the area of privacy, having good policies in place, making sure that they are well-written and touch all the necessary areas, that's a drafting exercise that requires, you know, a fine attention to detail and an understanding of how people will read and react and implement 
what you're writing, both policies and procedures. So that's another kind of writing skill that folks need to have. I've done a lot of writing and continue to do so whether I was in-house or now as an outside counsel, because I, I enjoy it, and now as outside counsel, writing to both maintain and expand and demonstrate knowledge of, of the different areas in which I practice, continually get called on to assist and provide that kind of uh, service to, to companies now. Is it more of a marketing tool or is it a way to just support your current clients, the writing you do now? It's uh, really a matter of, um, you know, being a, a professional in this field. Writing about the areas in which you practice is an important way to stay current and to be able to engage others in conversations about concrete issues. A lot of the writing I'm doing is, is for clients themselves, and so it doesn't really get published. Some of the writing we do is for sharing with others in order to provoke conversation and to help advance the, the cause so to speak, in the field. We actually publish, for example, a monthly blog post on the International Association of Privacy Professionals website, and we do a monthly piece on some development of, uh, in, in law or policy. And, you know, we enjoy doing that every month, and I work with my colleagues to do that, and that's one way to make sure we're staying current, but also sharing knowledge about what the developments are, and there are a lot of them. For an organization, whether it's a big one like IBM or some other organization, how important is it the chief privacy officer be an, a lawyer? It's a useful background. It's not essential. It's more essential to have the ability to appreciate the concepts in the law as they relate to the effect of regulation law on the business activities. I think it's the same question that could be asked, you know, does a compliance officer really need to be a lawyer? And I think the answer is not really. It depends. It depends on the company, the regulatory construct. If I'm going to be a compliance officer in a uh, an extremely regulated industry, chances are you'd, you'd want somebody with a legal background. If you're in an, an area maybe that's not as regulated and that may be more intensely focused on kind of a practical program design and operation to embed compliance thinking. You don't necessarily have to have it. Privacy lends itself, I think, to a lot of lawyers coming into the field. I definitely see that, and it's actually more so now than it used to be 15 years ago. I notice also, I don't know if it helps you advance your career or stay in touch, but you co-chair Georgetown University Cybersecurity Law Institute. You serve on the American Bar Association's President's Task Force on Cybersecurity, as well as advisory boards on the Electronic Privacy Information Center and the Future of Privacy Forum. I could go on. You have other things you do and have done. How important is advancing one's career or staying in touch is it to take one of these extracurricular activities? That's a really good question. And, and for those that might be, you know, that are listening with an eye toward you know, planning their own careers, I would encourage anybody who intends to have a leadership role or just to be the finest professional you can be to choose carefully and invest the time in at least one or two extracurriculars of this type. And, and they're not even, to call them extracurriculars is actually diminishing the importance of them because I think they're vital to being a well-rounded professional. It's hard, particularly in a dynamic area such as this, to maintain currency, to really understand what, what is going on unless you have a network that helps you make sense of the environment giving back to a profession, whether it's the privacy profession or cybersecurity field or the legal field generally, is the very definition of what a professional is. And so I believe very strongly in connecting to something, 
long ago when the IAPP was first formed, I was there part of the initial founding board and served on the board for 10 years. And I believe very strongly in the role of that kind of a group to help progress the profession and give people some guidance on how to be a profession. One of the, my favorite things to do is this uh, Georgetown University Law Center sponsors and organizes the Cybersecurity Law Institute. And we just had a second very successful year. We're going into the third next year in May. That is a conference meant for practicing lawyers of all types who are really interested and want to become experts and practitioners in cybersecurity-related legal issues. And the conference has grown every year, and we expect to have over 200 people next year. And it is a topic that is very, very hot right now and is only going to grow in terms of its importance to lawyers. So a growth industry within the legal profession a profession sometimes seems not to be growing. You know, there's no doubt that the, you know, the legal services industry and the legal profession as a whole is going through a huge change. I mean, I think it's, it's easy to lose sight of how historic the change is. The law profession has been changing and changing, but I think it's picked up the pace. Um, I think those, uh, you know, the, the statistics I've been hearing about applications to law schools dropping and the job market changing are definitely true. New models are emerging in the law. And if I'm a new graduate of a law school and I'm looking to make my career, I want to kind of look around and really understand where the legal services industry is going and ask myself, where are the leaders who actually see the future and are adjusting themselves to meet it? And that's really, whether you affiliate with a law firm, a government agency, or you know a company, is really to be trying to find those institutions that kind of see where the future is going from a legal perspective and are adjusting themselves to meet it. One of the indications is what areas of law are they investing in and maintaining or creating their capabilities. And I think, you know, data-related fields, data and IT-related fields are absolutely two of those hot areas, security and privacy, are um, definitely those at a historic level that will be increasing in importance for every organization. Thanks, Harriet. Thank you, Eric. And that's privacy and cybersecurity lawyer Harriet Pearson. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.